Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. I'm supporting all my favorite Bay Area teams. Who are you rooting for? From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casinos as well. They never close. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is presented by Beachly, who I'm super excited about because I live near the beach and I love the beach style. Beachly is a box of beach-inspired apparel and accessories delivered four times a year. With Beachly, you get six to eight pieces of premium apparel, and proceeds from each box sold funds beach cleanups by Heal the Bay. You choose either quarterly or annual payments for your subscription, and you can also cancel at any time. So go to Beachley's website and use our promo, SKATING, to get $20 off your subscription. Again, use our code SKATING, that's S-K-A-T-I-N-G, at checkout at beach.ly today. So today I'm here with my 2014 Olympic teammate, Gracie Gold. Gracie, thank you so much for coming on today. No, thank you. It's my pleasure. (laughs) One of my favorite memories, actually, of the Sochi games was right before we were in Sochi when we were in Austria and you Ashley and I signed that little lock with our names and we put it on that lock bridge it was just like a wall full of locks we put it on it was kind of like our Olympic spirit our Olympic luck and then we went to the games and I personally I want to go visit that lock one day I think it'd be super cool to go to Austria and just see if it's still there or if it's super rusty or something yes um yeah because I think our moms went out to go buy the locks and then do you remember when there was like tea time or something but it was at the rink and we had all those like tiny little like cupcakes and desserts and stuff one of my favorite memories of Austria in general was the fact that lunch every day was takeout from Hooters uh is looking back (laughs) just how rare that is and to say it out loud sounds ridiculous but I'll never forget Frank's face when he was like oh because they're lunch are you going out and I said oh they're bringing us food and then he asked where is it from I didn't want him to because I didn't want to have to look Frank in the eye and say Hooters but I did that was super fun actually I mean who doesn't love good chicken wings no those chicken quesadillas were not playing around Five stars would eat again. We were truly on that Olympic diet. We were being fed as the Olympic athletes that we were. And no complaints, honestly. It was uh, an experience. It was all part of the package, you know? It was just, yeah, it was very, I felt like it was super on brand for the Sochi games. Just a little bit all over the place with the like wild puppies and dogs. Uh, There's Hooters takeout. Um, Stray dogs. I forgot about those guys the bicycles that we like weren't allowed to ride um i'm still mad about that they were scared we'd get injured riding bikes from our dorms so to speak to the dining hall and all it did was make us 
walk an extra 20 minutes to get to the freaking dining hall. Like, ugh. I mean, it wasn't like a rule rule, but they were like, please don't. I rode the bike a few days against, sorry, the bang noise is my radiator. My apartment's like 1930s, so like OG radiators um, do make some clanking noises, um, excuse me. <laughs> but a few days I, yeah, I didn't have time for a 40 minute, 45 minute round trip walk to the dining hall. So I just kind of hopped on that bike. I was like, it's okay. I'll risk it. If anything happens, it's on me. It didn't know how to ride a bike, but yeah, envious of everyone else zooming around. I remember there were a few people who asked me if I wanted a ride, like on their handlebars. And I was this tiny child that was like, no, no, please no. (laughs) I would feel safer operating the bike than sitting on someone else's handlebars or like popped up on like legs on the back wheels. If I'm walking, I'm walking. If there's a bike involved, I will be operating it. (laughs) End of story. (laughs) Well, the night that you won nationals in 2014, you were the only given spot for the team since you were first place. And uh, there was a lot of questioning going on with who was going to get selected for it. Did you celebrate that night already or did you wait until the official announcement the next day? I like in my head knew when I finished my long program that I was going to win and then make the team. But obviously I did appreciate like the official announcement. But once I won, then like hearty, but like I very much went back to my hotel room in um, the best mood that I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I remember going to the hotel and I was also pretty stoked because it was my first year senior and I was second on the podium, but I remember being like, don't get too excited yet. Like, you have to wait, like just wait until tomorrow because you never know what's gonna happen with the selection process. But as soon as I got the text that I was on the team, I was just like, <sighs> relief, like a huge wave just relieved ultimately yeah the the feeling of relief was almost more powerful for me than the joy or the celebration but just the overwhelming sense of relief that like we had done the thing exactly I think especially with an Olympic year at nationals the expectation is just so huge and that that is a pressure that weighs on your shoulders like no other so for any skater who goes through that kind of process and that competition with the Olympic selection hanging over them, as soon as we're done competing, it's just like, uh, it's over. Like I'm done. What's done is done. And hopefully it was a good, it was a good thing. Um, but it's, it's crazy. How was the opening ceremonies for you in Sochi? Cause I didn't go to the opening ceremonies and I, that's my number one regret from the Olympics is that I didn't go to the opening. How was it? It was absolutely bananas because we were in the tunnels and stuff for quite a long time. And there are obviously a huge number of athletes. And then I remember all of a sudden you just walked up the ramp and you were just in the middle and you couldn't see anything really because it was so bright, but all of the seats had like these plastic metals that were blinking. I was almost speechless and I had just no thoughts at first because I was just absorbing absorbing like what I was seeing and the vastness of it. I walked with USA together and then the skaters together. And then, you know, it's the Shivs and Jason, just so, so surreal. Like I couldn't even for a long time, people like, especially right after they would ask me and I was like, I don't have anything to compare this experience to saying it was amazing. Seems like an understatement, way more overwhelming, but in a really good way. 
like the best version of sensory overload that one can experience. Oh, I'm so jealous. I remember I was wanting to go, but I was still in Austria, I think at the time, or I would have still been in Munich during the team processing stuff, but I didn't go because everybody was freaking me out about the amount of walking and like it throwing you off your game if you have to compete soon, which I didn't even need to compete soon. So I don't, I still am just like, I should have just gone. But yeah, I definitely would say to any athlete that is going and is considering it, I feel like the opening ceremonies is a huge deal. And for a lot of times, a one in a lifetime experience. And so you should definitely take it. And um, for me, it was really cool seeing you guys on TV, because even though I wasn't there, I knew I was going there. So it was like, this is so exciting. Like I'm going to be there in five days, seven days, whatever it was. Well, because we had we had it was kind of a long time between team and then singles like with skating, it was on either side of the games, which is why Ashley and I like we joined you in Austria for like more ice and to just chill out for a second. And yeah, they really did freak us out about the amount of walking or other things. And in hindsight, it wasn't really that far. I mean, I feel like we can, <laughs> we can handle a walk, you know? Exactly. I feel like it's so funny to see how much like over coddling happens specifically there, which I mean, I guess we should be in some sense because it's the Olympics, but at the same time, it's definitely a little extra. And I feel like the experience of the Olympics as a whole is something that should be very, very encouraged by the Federation and Team USA and everything. So definitely with something like the ceremonies, I think every athlete should try to go. And we, you don't have like a lot of time to decide, right? It's like nationals. I think it was back at in LA for a week or maybe two at the most. And then we were on the plane. So you have the come down nationals, like a week and a half, two weeks to get everything sorted. And then you're gone again. Tight turnaround. Very much so. I actually remember, I think the week or maybe the second week that I was home after nationals, my brothers got sick. And my mom, like my parents were super on edge because they were like, nothing can mess with training, whatever. Um, And I actually went with my mom to stay at our like family friend's house. And so we had... We like completely didn't even stay at my own house for four days while my brothers were getting over their slight illness. It was so extreme, but that's that's the stuff that happens. <laughs> yeah, if, like Carly or my mom had been sick, it would have been like the like quarantined for sure, which that I totally appreciate. But um, you have like that stress of the Olympics throughout kind of the whole season. It's in the back of everyone's mind, really. It's not oh, like I just show up at the Olympics, like it's this huge cloud of every emotion you can feel like weighing over you. And yeah, nationals one week or two opening team event, Austria, short and long closing. Like it was a whirlwind. Like when I got back from the games, the turnaround to worlds was so difficult for me. I didn't even know what was going on anymore. I was like, what day is it? Okay, this is regular life again. I don't know what's happening. My sleep pattern was not, no scheduler pattern. It was a mess. Yeah, and then it was like two weeks. Um, Japan, stars, the, yeah, the first half of 2014. It felt as wild as 2020, but in like much better ways that didn't affect 200,000 other people. But it had that same energy where every week is a new reality. That was definitely the craziest year 
because of all of the all of the different events that were thrown at us right after the Olympics with touring and so many other things. It was so cool though. So I definitely I look back at that year and I wish I could have slowed it down, you know, because it just it goes by so fast and it was so awesome and I'm like, damn. I wish I could savor it for even a day longer, honestly. Right? So in Sochi, what was your experience like as a whole? Did you like the way that Sochi was set up for us and all of that kind of stuff? From what I gathered, the closer that you were to the torch, like the more finished everything was. Because I know that the mountain, because we were like the coastal, so the mountain group had a very different Sochi experience, I feel, than I did. The dorm was simplistic, like no issues. The path to the dining hall or the gym, I kind of had no issues. And half the time I remember thinking like, wow, like there must be some part of the games, like the unfinished part that I'm just not in because I found it really smooth sailing. I loved the ice in the practice rink and the main arena. It was a lot warmer than I thought. It was very much like Cali in February, zero issues or complaints. I just literally had the time of my life. Yeah. I thought that it was awesome for us as well in the coastal village and our the ice rink, like the iceberg palace or whatever. It was so gorgeous. Good experiences all around. What other events did you go see? I know we went to a hockey game. I remember I went with you and Carly to the USA hockey team. That was so fun. But what else did you go to? Yeah, because it was it was long program and then exhibition and then closing ceremonies and then leaving like four days in a row. And so when I was selected to do the like gala exhibition, which I was thrilled about, that kind of dampens the like two, one and a half to two day window I had to go do things. But I was also totally fine kind of like living in my own world. And obviously I wouldn't trade being selected for the like gala exhibition. The hockey game was wild. I was super into the pin collecting because I think everything's a competition. And at that hockey game, this elusive Fabergé egg that opened up with the NBC logo, that is a also a snow globe. Some guy that we were sitting next to just gave it to me. And he was like, oh, like there are only like however many of these or something. I was like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. But then other pin collectors were like, let me trade you. I was like, I don't know exactly what's happening. I just think that they're all really pretty. I will be keeping this one though. Um, But yeah, the hockey game was wild. And I loved the hockey rink with the lights on top of the dome. So if you were walking by, you could see like in half country's flags with the score and I remember when Russia lost it was bleeding yes it was so dramatic oh my god I remember that and Frank Frank and I were walking to whatever when we saw that he was tickled pink by it I mean he thought it was the greatest and funniest thing he's ever seen when it was bleeding so extra but really in the most glorious way like I loved walking by and yeah I could just peek over and the entire building would tell me who was playing or who had just played what country what the score was like the entire building was light up like little things like that magical oh I miss Sochi at that time (laughs) it'd be a little bit different if we went back now but Probably wouldn't have quite the same feel to it, but would probably be equally as memorable. (laughs) Probably, honestly. Okay, guys, really quick, I want to tell you about this awesome company I'm partnering with, Viome. 
you can find out what foods and supplements are right for your body with their health intelligence test. It looks at your gut microbiome health, your cellular health, immune system health, and more. I'm super excited. I just received my testing kit. It's super simple, and I can't wait to get my results back. Seriously encouraging you all to try out Viome. It's so cool, and it gives you personalized information and resources for your individual health. Order your test on www.viome.com and use code POLINA at checkout. That's P-O-L-I-N-A. I can't wait for you guys to get your results. Well, fast forward to now, a lot has happened since Sochi. Tell us about your comeback. You competed all through 2019 and performed at the 2020 Nationals. Why did you decide to come back after your hiatus? And how hard was it to come back, both elements-wise and mentally? It was extremely difficult, which is an understatement to say the least. It's been an absolute roller coaster, but ultimately the most rewarding thing in recent years. It wasn't like I just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to skate competitively again. It started because I genuinely missed skating. I mean, I chose to step away, but it wasn't the way that I wanted to. And it felt so unfinished. I was kind of debating about, you know, like what my next steps were. And so I started coaching. And then if there was a session, maybe I didn't have a student, you know, I started skating it. And I really, really missed just skating. And a lot of retired competitive skaters like don't feel that way. And it's always made me sad. A lot of skaters, I feel like leave bitter or my kid will never skate or never walk into a rink again or like coaching. And that makes me so sad because it's such a fundamental part of my life. You know, it's not the only aspect of my life, but it will always be part of who I am. I've done it since I was a child and it was my first love in a way. And it just kind of snowballed from me wanting to skate and then picking up elements. And then, you know, once I got a taste again, I just wanted more. And I just wanted to see what I could do or what was possible. It led me back to US championships and element wise, consistency was the hardest part. Obviously, I was extremely out of shape in a way that I had never been before. And, you know, I wasn't even like skating out of shape or overweight. Like I was kind of real life, not in shape, which I mean, it was pretty bad. So I had a totally different body composition, a different body shape. And to cut that much in the right way, while also trying to be better than I was before and to be stronger than I was before and make adjustments, you know, avoid injury and like all these things and balance it all while being healthy and like mentally and emotionally stable. The beginning was rough. The first double axle I ever tried, I ate it so hard. My coaches here were like, what about triple toe? triple sow. And I started all in the pole harness, just repetitions. From there, we worked through loop, flip, and lutz. Really hard just for several months, like eating it on not just 70%, but under-rotated triples. When I first came back, I mean, I could comfortably do through double loop 
for me, it's a lot lower than where I was. So we pretty much started from scratch. And then getting everything consistent over last year in particular was difficult because if I got stronger, my timing changed. If I dropped weight, my timing changed. If both of those happened, my timing changed. So I felt like I could get a week where every day was the same, building upon that. And then a week and a half, two weeks where you know, things were going better, but it was all over the place. And then it would stable out. And when it came to competition and like training run throughs, that's a nightmare. No, <laughs> it's a bad feeling. No, it's, it's so incredibly hard to have a comeback. I, I know with my own comeback post-injury, I tried to come back several times because the first time I tried to come back, I got injured again. And then I had to take even more time off. And then it was so hard. It took me like a full year. I think people really underestimate the length of time a true comeback takes, especially with competing. Because even when you get all of your jumps back, you have to take it slow. Like you said, your timing's constantly changing. You're constantly changing. Getting the elements back is one thing, but then putting that into competition, working the mental strength blocks back after not doing it for such a long time, that is... The other part that is super, super difficult. And I think a lot of people don't really realize that part. And they think just, you know, train, get your jumps back, and you'll be the same skater you were, you know, three years ago, five years ago. But that's really not how it works. Coming back from a break, it messes with your mind in a whole new way that isn't normal when you're going and consistently training the same every single day. Some people are like, oh, like you've done it before, though. I'm like, right, but you know, how many years did we have like leading up to Sochi of competing triple letses or triple flips or like whatever, putting out long programs? Like there's so many years to back up that confidence on top of the training that you put into that year, to that event, to that moment. So with the time off, it really does erase some of that. And some people, if I felt like they were kind of giving me a hard time, I was like, there's a reason that if people take years off, they don't come back. That's why there's not like a lot, a lot of comeback stories in skating with more than, and I mean, I, I had two years off. We weren't jumping at all. We weren't skating at all. I wasn't working out at all. Nothing. Last summer, fall, I remember competing and qualifying and they're like, oh, it's like, have like a little bit more confidence. And I'd say, I was like, I don't have enough consistent anything to base any sense of confidence off of. Every week has been a new reality this whole year. Trying my best. And yeah, mentally really different. I had like slightly different technique in just the sense of I had like, I had a totally different body. Um, in my retirement, when I did put on a lot of weight, uh, my chest size out of control. Most people don't comment on it because that would be a little bit weird, but being curvy, very different. Having such a large chest for my frame, when it came to spinning, I had to relearn how to spin. I had a different balance point. Yeah, the struggle to climb back to at least anywhere close to where you were, I feel like is underappreciated. Because I, I feel I feel like people were like, oh, it's super impressive. Like, of course, it's really hard. But the mental and physical endurance required to grind through something like that, really difficult. Some days for me felt impossible, truly. More days it felt like that than others. 
No, I feel that. I like what you said about there's a reason why you don't see skaters who take, you know, years off and then come back. A lot of that has to do also with the way that your body changes when you're not in this high stress performance training environment anymore. Like you're not putting your body through that consistently. It changes. And I I felt a lot of that for myself just because I grew a lot and kind of like went through almost a second phase of puberty, I want to say, like when I turned 20, 21. So it was like really hard to figure out the adjustment for all of my jumps. And I remember driving home and I would think about the way that I used to do my triple let's triple toe. And I would look at the video of myself from 2014 nationals, short program, like hit my triple let's triple toe. And it looks so easy. And I'm just staring at it. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to feel that comfortable again. How am I going to get there? Like there were days that I would be crying in my car because I'm like, I'm just not the same person that I was when I was 15. And of course, it's something that you can work back. Like, yes, you can slowly build the mental blocks again to get to not the same person you were, a different version of yourself, maybe a more improved version of yourself, but it's, it's going to be different. It took me a really long time to come to terms with that. I potentially could be as good or really close as I was, but it wouldn't be the same. It would be different. And that was really hard for a while because I like, I feel like most people are, are under the assumption like, oh, well, you did like Let's Toe before. You'll do it again. It's like, no, it's, it's essentially have to relearn the whole thing because it's different. I go back and watch old videos. I'm like, I mean, it kind of looks the same, but what am I missing? What do I not feel anymore? Yeah, it kind of felt very much like scratch. Um, yeah, a completely different body and a completely different mind. I mean, people said all the time to me, oh, you did it for so many years. Like, it'll just, it'll just what? What do you mean by that? Um, yeah, people just don't understand, right? So I, I hope everyone listening can get some clarity now on the fact that when you come back after a while, it's relearning technique, it's relearning how to do things with a different feel, a different feel to your body, a different mental space, because the way that we compete when you don't have a break is completely different than after you've taken a break. And the sooner that, you know, you can come to term, it just took me so long as I said to reach that point of, I can do all of these things again, but they're going to be different. I really didn't like that reality. The rank I'm at is pretty quiet, but I struggle with being embarrassed constantly. Like I just at nationals, like just kind of being there and even the first few practices, like I just wanted to disappear. I mean, I wanted to be there, but there was always this cloud of kind of shame and embarrassment hanging over me. But especially when I first came back and a huge amount of people were super supportive, but there was a huge group of people that were so cruel. I mean, just like everything else, I just like keep going through it. But um yeah, there's so many layers to what made it extremely difficult, which is how I opened like that answer. Yeah, exactly. I think the public eye and the social pressure for any athlete that comes back is again, yeah, an added layer because people are always going to have an image of you and expectations of you. And I can relate to that struggle of feeling embarrassed and everything um, when you change. You're doing your best. You're coming back. I I felt that a little bit at sectionals when I went because it had been a while since I had been around so many people that I used to see all the time. And then also obviously it was a very public event, not a local event, right? It's 
hard for yourself because even with other people watching they can you know say whatever they want to say but at the end of the day like you want people to see that you're trying and to see that you know progress is small maybe or progress could be leaps from where you were a month ago but people are always going to compare you to your past self so that's a huge thing that people don't think about when they look at athletes that are coming back and you mentioned the sectionals i will never forget regionals Last year, I never competed at regionals as a junior or a senior. I just always had buys. So I was like, oh, great, like doing regionals. No disrespect to anyone who qualifies through regionals at either of those levels. I am just comparing to what I previously didn't have to. Um, and it was at my home rink. It was at Iceworks. And like when they announced that, they're like, oh, my God, it's local. It's here. It's right at your rink. I said, no there aren't really any bleachers and the amount of people that showed up to both of my events and people were just piled in at the glass, like head, 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 all almost all the way around. There were signs, like it was a whole thing and I was not ready to really be competing, but, um, you know, it was showtime and these people and I knew all of them. I would not relive that experience. Yeah. And of course it's on YouTube and it's on Instagram and everyone's like, like, oh, she doesn't look like a hundred percent trains. I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I never said I was. Um, I'm just trying my best. You know, if the last three jumps of your program are doubles or singles, I'm typically surviving that program. I am not performing it. I am not thriving in it. I am doing my best. I actually was not nervous for sectionals because I knew that if I survived regionals, sectionals and nationals felt significantly easier, but yeah. Well, you did it. You got through it. So the worst is over, thankfully. Tell us about your coaching team during the comeback and how that's been working out for you. You're on the East Coast. Yes. Pennsylvania? Yeah. So Iceworks is in Aston, Pennsylvania, which is south of Philly, right on the border of uh, Pennsylvania and Delaware. So I live in Wilmington, which is about 15 minutes to the rink. So right now my coaching team is Alex and Pasha. They're the best. Call them the boys. The bestest boys you'll ever meet. I'm tell you. And then the coaching team originally started with three boys. One of them, he no longer wanted to be part of the team. And then it was Alex and Pasha. Yeah, as I said, they're great. I really like Iceworks. It's low key, but it has good energy. It's not totally dead, but it's not. Did you ever skate at Toyota Sports Center? I did, yeah. Yeah, so it's Toyota wasn't crowded, but it had a fishbowl effect because everyone was looking down on you. The whole facility is way more chill. Not a lot going on in Aston, Pennsylvania, which has actually been really nice. Some things do work out. There you go. Yeah, I feel like that's really good to be in a low key spot especially during the difficult comeback of training and everything like you want things to be more private and somewhere like a lot of the rinks in Los Angeles everybody's there everybody's watching everybody's talking like it's just you can never have a moment to yourself kind of thing so sounds like you're in a really good environment to be able to train for you and not for anyone else you know and I grew up in like really small, low-key, quiet rinks. Even in Chicago, the main rink that we skated at four days a week, not five. Some days it was just, my old coach was also named Alex. It could just be me and maybe one other human on a freestyle or like really training that day. 
quiet, quiet. So I think that's also why I just really like the low-key calm. Less eyes, less, like, videos that end up mysterious on Instagram of stuff that I, like, don't stand by. Um, But yeah. You just get to have your horse blinders and run with it, which is really good. How has the pandemic affected you with your comeback? Because you probably had some time off the ice, I'm guessing, during the initial quarantine, as most skaters did. But then there's also not really any more competitions locally that you can practice adrenaline in. So how do you think that affects you? Like everyone else, pretty much, uh, the pandemic was devastating and then inconvenient like it threw a wrench in everyone's year and of course in a lot of people like in their whole lives for those of you that think it's a myth it's not the time off I actually felt like I handled really well because I almost felt like I got a part two because essentially right we were supposed to stay indoors stay away from people don't leave your apartment so that is a lot like clinical depression which um I've had so it was like a part two where I had to like kind of do all those things that are triggering for me like when especially when everyone was hoarding food was very like upsetting to me you know I didn't want to have stockpiles and like be afraid of like when am I eating again I actively don't think about things like that of course like there weren't any gyms and there weren't any rinks and being isolated I was like, okay, so round two of this kind of like terrible lifestyle that we don't like, you know, let's be better. Like, let's do all the things that would have saved us last time. So first getting back on the ice, like last week of June, July is like when my rank opens. July and like the first half of August were actually really great. I like knew all where the missteps could be. I was like ready to go, a little too ready to go. And I pushed myself a little bit too hard for too long. So soon after that time off, I had a series of like small injuries and then boot and a like blade failures and That was probably the worst part was kind of the end of August, but like September, October were really hard because I was like, wait, how did right after quarantine, I got after it, no issues, just really rebounded so fast. And now I feel like everyone else was catching up. And then I was on a trajectory south because I really avoided injury for like almost my whole life. But in my first comeback, because my progress was so barely at first, like it was so slow that I really eased into everything. But after this quarantine, I did just go like zero to 100. And it was weird. I felt really guilty if I felt tired or something felt tight. And if there was a session to skate on, but I didn't feel like it done all my training for the day. But if there was an extra like hour of ice, I felt guilty not utilizing it because I had been without ice for so long. I did run into problems because it was unnecessary to skate in excess. But um, that's really on brand for me. I don't think that'll shock anyone. But definitely a wild year, I think we can all say. Well, it's good to hear that you're really going after it. You it sounds like you have like a newfound energy almost for skating post-quarantine, which is the opposite of a lot of skaters. So that's really good. <laughs> good to hear. What's your goal for this season and then moving forward? I mean, for this season, it's kind of even hard to answer because it's just been the brief moment of a season with the ISP videos and Skate America was like peak 
it's uh it's absolutely bananas um but for next year um hopefully be nice to have a little bit of a more right um normal schedule as much as possible for next year selfishly just for my own sanity but as well as i think that would really benefit the skating community so i can't even say for sure about next year um i don't even really know we just the governor of pennsylvania like new rules like again every two weeks new reality yeah it's definitely irregular to say the least but do you have your sights on another olympics or are you just kind of skating now for yourself for the next few years you know that's always been the goal but it always felt so far away for so long how much can i do again like where can i get to and just enjoying that process um because i knew i could always go back and finish college i could like get married and settle down like some people do that or just coach full time like what i knew that those options would be available to me for as long as like whatever allows but um the window to skate even at all competitively was really short and it was closing and i just wanted to see what was possible and that's really always been just kind of whatever's in front of us like even if it's month by month three months maybe six months but um you know if it was a pipe dream and even if it was so what is it still worth pursuing i said yes and now we're here yeah well i mean the good news is regardless of wherever your skating journey now takes you you've accomplished so much and you have such a great background already in skating. So no matter where you get now, you can always be proud of everything that you've done. So it's it's awesome to see you have a really good mentality to keep skating and to not put so much pressure on yourself. Just keep it up, keep doing your thing. And the last thing I wanted to touch on really quickly is on body image. Uh, the sport is increasingly spotlighting tinier girls as we've been seeing in the top ranks. But we have a really good crop of skaters in the U.S. who are beautiful, strong women in the sport. So what are your thoughts on the current trend of young skaters at the top? Well, to start on, yeah, it was like body image in the sport. I wish that things like body dysmorphia, any kind of body image issue, any kind of eating disorder, overexercising, like the things... I wish a lot of those things were just kind of touched on much earlier and out in the open. I always feel like it's kind of been in the elephant in the room, the quiet part that we don't say out loud in skating, but you know, our sport is a breeding grounds for that. It would be weird if people didn't develop those things because if you have child and then of course, middle school, high school years, like teenage puberty, the sport has huge physical requirements also an aesthetic components, tiny dress, like millions of people, like when you're at the Olympics, the pressure to look and be a certain way is present. And I feel like people dance around it or they like avoid it. And the amount of people that have even confided in me, like, like I've had those struggles. And like a lot of these are like elite athletes that never came out or talked about it. Also, there's a huge amount of men that struggle with this. And there's such a stigma around like men with eating disorders. Like why? Like they're also have a huge physical requirement and there's also a huge aesthetic component. Like, you know, of course these athletes are probably going to under eat and over exercise. Like, let's just say it. You are 
not necessarily at risk, but you're in an environment where that behavior and using that as a coping mechanism wouldn't be unusual. It's been hard for me sometimes because sometimes I do look and I'm like, wow, like I don't look like whomever. And I'm like, oh, but like they're a child. So actually I did look like that when I was a child too. But yeah, especially with my body image, it's like a daily struggle. It was for a long time. It was like, it was just my existence was trying to skate again while being as large as I was and out of shape as I was. You know, it wasn't the ideal environment to put someone recovering from an eating disorder in, but like, you know, that's me. But even still really top heavy these days, I am constantly self-conscious about it. Um, None of those children have like anything up top. And I'm like, I don't look like them. Like, I think this is a problem because not a lot of other skaters. I think of like two or three, maybe, you know, at the end of the day on your protocol, there's not a section for weight, for BMI, you know, for age. It's not there. You know, it's understated, but I also feel one of maybe the more toxic sides of skating is that it's as if you're going to be judged so harshly on it. If you can do all of your stuff, great costume, ready to go. There's nothing in skating that says you have to be a certain weight, that you have to look a certain way. There's a stigma. Obviously, it's like the sport's really elitist. Um, It's not particularly diverse, but... I have been noticing, obviously, a trend of, like, children. There's one look, one size for this sports mentality. It's, like, very outdated. It's very toxic, unnecessary. Um, it's, it's interesting to see, like, how it's flowed because back decades prior, it was women on the ice. And then as we started to move into the 2000s, it became – I feel like smaller frames were more prominent, but then um, there were still a lot of women competing. And then after 2014, it just jumped completely to being 13, 14, 15 year olds are on top and everybody else is just kind of on the side or trailing behind. And it's just such a culture shock, I want to say, for the skating community. It's funny when I talk about it to people because I was the 15 year olds on that skating thing, but I was one of two in Sochi and we weren't in the same caliber as the adult skaters or the skaters who were more mature, right? So it's like so weird to see the shift and I'm like, wow, it just, I was a 15 year old in the wrong time, I guess. (laughs) But, but no, like I honestly, I really appreciated seeing older skaters um, because their presence on the ice was completely different. So I, I personally am not a huge fan of seeing all the tiny girls because I also think it has a huge effect on the mentality for a lot of young skaters who think that they need to be that tiny shape to hit their jumps. And that's just not true. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think it's necessarily like that they're tiny, but it's, it's plural and that there is a one look kind of, and that there's a huge group of skaters that feel very much like aesthetically copy paste. There are so many more, you know, interesting things about a person than what they look like. But the fact that there's kind of this one shape that if you're over a certain age is not attainable. I found myself being like, oh, like my legs are like three times the size of her. And I was like, oh, she's like 13. Okay. Yeah, your like, your legs are actually developed. <laughs> I was like, oh, child. Um, I it would who knows be like crazy. It'd be weird. Uh, you're 25. <laughs> it'd be weird if you had the body 
of a 13 year old concerning that would be concerning especially (laughs) you know like up top if I had 13 year old legs like that would that would be uncomfortable but I I don't like the conversation where I feel like oh they're so good or like this and they're like oh well it's almost as if because they're tiny I've heard like um a lot of conversation where yeah like they rotate that fast because they're so small I do not think that you have to be as small as some are or that it's based on their size because first off I think that does take away from someone's accomplishments like Tanya Harding um in this sport in this country not particularly well liked but I learned to jump watching Tanya's when I was learning triple lutz I watched Tanya Harding unpopular opinion but like her she was Mm -hmm. not small you know she wasn't skin and bone she was not a child that was a mean triple axel like her triple lutz I mean no I totally agree she had awesome jumps and I think one of the most iconic skating moments of all time is her landing that triple axel at Skate America. So, yeah. Well, what do you think about the potential age change that they're talking about for men and ladies skating, but moving it to 17, 18 for when you're slightly more womanly just because you're going through puberty rather than 14, 13? I mean, it's hard for me as someone who is so not close to that age bracket to be like, if that's yes or no. Because it'd be really easy for me to say, oh, it should be like much older. Like, because I'm older, that wouldn't affect me. But I think it'd be a more interesting question to ask, like 16-year-old Gracie, like winning winning junior and like at Junior Worlds or 15-year-old Polina. I would like to know what 15-year-old Polina had to say. I mean, I'm torn about it. I'm like mixed about it. But yeah, what would, what would 15-year-old Polina have thought about it? I actually, it's pretty interesting because exactly that I was the 15 year old that was there but knowing that and knowing how different skating is once you're older I'm kind of for the age change because it's a completely different ball game when your body starts growing and as an adult sport I think we should be fighting to keep the integrity of women skating rather than allowing such young skaters to be on top for like one year, two years, and then they're gone because they can't handle their puberty changes later. And I just also kind of think it's dangerous for them because right now, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, I'm seeing 10-year-olds doing quads on Facebook videos and stuff. And I I just don't think that's safe or healthy for their bodies, um, especially when they start growing because of the weight change and everything. So I'm in support of the age change. Which is, yeah, very odd considering I was the 15-year-old there. But I wasn't allowed to win, right? I wasn't ever going to be kind of on the podium in Sochi because I was so new and so little. And that was something that I knew going into it. So I feel like my opinion on it is a little bit different than current skaters who are, you know, the 14 and 15-year-olds that are winning everything. Um, In my 25th year of life, it is different. And I never, like you know, I, I want to be open to, is this like restricting or are we just restricting because they're so good, but then also a lot of 14 to 16 year olds are really, really good. A lot of 14 to 16 year olds are like, it's a lot easier to do triple triples consistently, hundreds of them, every session, all varieties. And now it is so much harder, even in like, even in 2016, like that Firebird year, Every year, it just got a little bit harder, and 
you know, another young child's would pop up who's remarkable. But it is easier at that age to be really good. And at that size and like height wise. Yeah, I think that these are all factors. But um, do you think the quality though? Like, do you think the quality of their skating compares to more adult skating? I mean, yes, they're really good technically because they can do all of their jumps and their spins and all of these different things. But when you put such a young skater next to an older, more developed skater, do you think that they're competing fairly in terms of what people are looking at? Because I think that's kind of the biggest thing when we when we think about skaters, at least I guess when we were competitively, like right before we were super competitive, it was all Yunakim and Mawasada and Carolina Kostner and everything like that. I mean, all I can say is for people that don't feel like there is a difference, go watch the one and only Carolina Italy. Go watch her bolero compared to anyone, myself included, like not even, not even. And tell me that which one you like more from like an integrity of skating part just everyone watch carolina costner's bolero agreed yeah mic drop okay last last question what advice do you have for young girls listening in on the importance of positive body image and strength in sports so when it comes to positive like body image you're not gonna have it every day no one does i don't believe that the answer to negativity is positivity all the time Sometimes I think that it's just warmth and kindness and like being kind to your body, you know, showing it some love, even if you don't feel joyous and positive and happy about it. um, You don't need to shame it. Like you don't need to punish it. You don't need to hate it. That like toxic shame to hate the vessel that we live in. And then typically that goes with, you know, you, then you don't treat it that well and you abuse it either through overeating, undereating, just no exercise, overexercise, and treat it with respect. You don't always have to, you don't always have to like it. You don't always have to feel so positive about how you look, but if you feel at least okay, yeah, show it some love. I mean, I lost, I can't tell you like how much joy and pleasure and moments and experiences I missed out on the damage that I'd done like to my body for a peace of minds and a love and a joy that I never got from those behaviors. And also, even if your body doesn't look like someone else's, you're allowed to be positive about it. It's your body. It's no one else's. It's no one else's concern. It's no one else's business. You can be positive about the body that makes you the happiest and you're living your best life in. That's really good. Both keeping a healthy perspective on how you view yourself as well as taking care of your body. And that means not pushing it to extremes, obviously, but keeping in touch with yourself, just being real and friendly. And like you said, showing yourself kindness, that is the way to go. Okay, well, thank you so much for this interview. That was really awesome. No, thank you, truly. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Please let me know what you think. Subscribe to my channel. Give me a rating. Give me a review. I love reading what you guys have to say. And follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. I have some really great interviews planned. I'm super excited about them. So 
keep an eye out for them. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.